0: C'est Go, and Bonjour. I am Kathy Sabokin. This is Moment of Truth on 106.5 Element FM in Toronto, 95.7 in Ottawa. I'm filling in today for David Moses. Coming up, our guest, NDP MPP Sal Mamakwa, and we're going to break down those Ford government budget cuts to Indigenous affairs. We're going to take a fine-tooth comb and a knife and just go through the whole thing, step by step. We're also going to get an update on the remote First Nation of Big Trout Lake where five people died in a house fire and now it has been declared a state of emergency. So we're going to get an update on that situation too. But first, David Moses is on assignment at Canadian Music Week. Hi, David.
1: Good morning, Cassie. How's it Can going? You hear me
0: okay. How is Canadian yes, Music Week?
1: Well, it's very exciting and very, uh, very, very interesting uh, we certainly will have a lot of information to bring back and share with the team. And as you know, I'm not here by myself. So I'm joined by a number of other people from our, our two stations in Toronto and Ottawa. Uh, Bruce Barber is here, as well as Missy Knott and uh, and uh, Kayla. In fact, later on this morning, uh, Missy Knott will be actually sitting on a panel for emerging uh, talent in radio. So that's happening later on. I want to go check that out but the big thing for me this morning coming up a little bit later on so i'm glad you put me on at this time is um there's an interview a one-on-one with robbie robertson that i'm looking very much forward to as you may know he has been given uh, um uh, a lifetime, lifetime achievement, achievement award, award. yeah so, so deserving um, yeah so it's very exciting and i'm um, not sure if i'll get a chance to speak with him but uh, i know he has promised us an interview at some point uh Maybe later on uh, in September, he's actually going to be releasing a new album, I, f- I found out, that is going to be coming out in September as well. So uh, some pretty exciting stuff on that. Um, I was also uh, able to, uh, at the opening uh, session the other day, uh, I met with uh, Andy Fillmore. Now, Andy Fillmore uh, was one of the people that were, were, were up on stage and, and making that opening announcement. And he's the actually Parliamentary Secretary to the Minister of Canadian Heritage and Multiculturalism. <laughs> Big title. But what was interesting is that he actually mentioned indigenous uh, artists. And I have heard a lot of mention almost in every session about indigenous artists. So it's very interesting, and I'm glad to hear that. And I went up and thanked him for mentioning that. He, he didn't know that Buffy St. Marie had uh, written Universal Soldier. I was a little <laughs> surprised. but, but it Now was, he uh, does. You know, he, and now he does, for sure. And uh, let's see, coming up later on. Uh, broadcasting in the age of podcasting. That's, uh, you know, as we were going about that and how that's changing. Even, you know, how, how things always have to be quick now, you know, less than a minute, 20 seconds. True,
0: yes.
1: Um, what they're saying, well, podcasting isn't like that, right? They have uh, 10, 12 episodes, and people are listening to these things for an hour at a time. Yes, they so are. So it's really interesting how that is, you know, it's, it, it's not all, people want um, an experience. They want, they want to have a real experience. They want to feel, feel part of the experience. And that's what they said the strength of radio was as well.
0: Well, David, thank you so much for filling us in. And we look thank forward you. to all that you're going to bring back as a result of being at Canadian Music Week. David Moses, all right, thank well, thanks you so for much. in and
1: all the best with, the, uh, with Moment of Truth today. Thank you. You're you back.
0: are listening to Moment of Truth on 106.5, Element FM in Toronto, 95.7 in Ottawa, and on the Radio Player Canada app or our website, elementfm.ca, that's e-l-m-n-t-f-m-dot-c-a. I'm Kathy Sabokin, filling in today for David Moses, and my guest is NDP MPP Salma Makwa, representing the riding of Kewitinong, way up in the north, way north.
2: Northwestern. Ontario, yes.
0: Northwestern, and again, the boundaries are?
2: Pretty much, it's 294 square kilometers, and but also... Uh, about 33,000 people, that's the smallest riding population-wise. Yeah, it's uh, Red Lake, uh, Solakout, and Pickle Lake, and then those are the municipalities, and then it goes all the way up to Fort Hope and all the way to the uh, Hudson's Bay on uh, Fort Severn and Manitoba border. So
0: So mostly fly-in communities.
2: Yes, I have uh, about 27, 28 fly communities that I represent. How
0: many miles? I hope you have a good, a good plan for <laughs> collecting points.
2: Yes, I sure? I fly I fly uh, every week.
0: And what airline up there? Uh,
2: in the north, uh, there's several airlines uh, scheduled flights. Uh, Wasaya, Erskine Airlines, and also uh, uh, North. Uh, I can't remember the name of it, but there's about several airlines. As long as it gets you to, yeah. where,
0: to where you have to yeah. go. Yes. Now, one of your <clears throat> one of your communities is Big Trout Lake, and there was a terrible tragedy there. I wanted to ask you about five people died in a house fire a foster mother, this is on May 2nd, her biological daughter, and three children she was raising in Big Trout Lake, and that's really devastated the community. Have you been in touch?
2: Yeah, actually, I uh, just spoke with the chief uh, just this morning, and it's a very, uh, very tragic event, and I did go up there last week on Saturday. I did a day trip, and uh, certainly when I uh, met with the families, the leadership, and also some of the, uh, the families very cl- close to the, uh, uh, the, the, the deceased, and uh, I met with the teachers, the staff, I, I saw firsthand uh, the impacts of the trauma. And, you know, like the way some of them weren't able to function physically, and it's just, uh, it's very horrific to see that. And I went to see the scene, and I talked to the the lead investigators as well, just to let them know I'm there, and it, it is very tragic.
0: So my question is, how come the fire couldn't have been prevented? Is there, are there firefighters, a fire truck? What, what, what happened?
2: i did uh about the latter part of my visit. I was there for a few hours, five six hours, and uh I started asking about infrastructure and I went to see the building where they keep their fire truck. I went to see the the building itself and it's uh it wasn't functioning it wasn't operational and uh, after talking to some some of the leadership as well the infrastructure to be able to put out the fire was not there and, one of the hydrants I seen was you no know, lake in water, and it, you can see the slither stream down to the lake. And so the water pressure in that community was so low, and I don't think they'd be able to handle it at all. And it's just, I think the fire itself is a marker of a bigger issue with when we start talking about infrastructure and, and you know, water. And water. Now,
0: yeah. were the firefighters volunteer in this community are they professional <coughs> firefighters uh, who are trained on checking the fire trucks all the time checking the fire hydrants
2: well uh the typically uh, the way i was told was that they're volunteers and they're people that volunteer from their work you know whether it's a uh, water treatment operators water truck haul workers or the sewage workers those are essentially and but there was no uh, system to be able to respond. There's no training that's provided, and, you know, there's no system in place. And then the house that I seen was burnt down to the ground. My goodness. And it took 45 minutes to, when they first noticed it, to come to the ground. It was 45 minutes because it was such a... a
0: Fast-moving a, fire. Fast,
2: yeah, because this house is, uh, you know, about 50 years old.
0: And I understand that that big trout lake has declared a state of emergency,
2: Yes, I spoke to the chief this morning uh, before I came here and just to kind of get an update and because the amount of trauma that is affected by this fire, there's so many um, people affected because uh, again, like this mother was a... uh, Foster mom. Yeah, and that's what I mean. Like it's really affecting the whole community in many ways. And, you know, like I just think about the kids that are there, you know, how they're affected. And I mean, you know, when I went to the... The school they were having kind of like ceremonies to remove the desk and the belongings of the students and it really i could see how it impact, impacts the uh, the staff the principal and uh, the leadership on and doing that so i mean uh because of the resources the amount of people that come to, from surrounding communities to provide support that's what we do up north in our communities is you know neighboring communities they come and support the uh, you know, support, support each a, other. Support each other, and like, like right now, that right now, that's what they need is uh, the love and the support. But also, we need some type of trauma teams to work with the kids, to work with the families. And you know, when I spoke to the mother of the mother that uh, had passed, and I, I went to see her at the nursing station, and uh, she, was in, uh, she was uh she was getting an IV, and and she, when I was talking to her, she couldn't eat. She She was just so traumatized. Yeah, she couldn't eat. She couldn't drink because you, it would just come back out, and and they can't. uh, You know, the amount of people that are coming in, the amount of um, people helping, people helping, and they have to feed them. They, you know, like uh, they have to provide service for them, and then uh, not only that, but plus the trauma that's in the community. That uh, that's essentially why they declared a number state of emergency. Is help coming? I I have no idea. I haven't. uh, Touch base with uh, you know, uh my, with follow-up, yeah. Follow up on uh, you know, what's federally what's happening, what provincially what's happening and,
0: and and takes a tragedy sometime, but hopefully some proper training on fire trucks and testing all the hydrants, et cetera, too, things that unfortunately weren't in place as you mentioned.
2: Yeah, sometimes uh takes a, a tragedy to come up with an opportunity to uh, you know, respond. Uh, you know, like immediate uh, stuff that's required, but also mid-term and long-term. You know, how do we ensure that, you know, the basic uh, needs of the community are are there? You know, like right now, uh, when we talk about on reserve, like there's no regulations or legislation that govern fire protection. And, you know, how do we get communities equipped to respond to these type of events? Like, I mean, yesterday I, I, we debated on this uh, private member's bill on uh nine one one for all, all of Ontario right, and right. they don't have a 911 and you know but when I thought about it when I did when I did speak to the bill yesterday at uh, having 911 but if you don't, you know you have police you have uh, you know ambulance and you have fire response and you know, the only response team that they would have is the police right now there's no infrastructure for that
0: Oh my goodness Yeah Well we have to take a little break and when we come back we're going to dive into the provincial budget and how it has affected your writing in okay, the so. whole Indigenous communities. So, you are listening to Moment of Truth on 106.5 Element FM in Toronto, 95.7 in Ottawa. I'm Kathy Sabokin, filling in for David Moses, and we'll be right back with our guest, NDP MPP Sol Mamakwa. Welcome back to Moment of Truth. I'm Kathy Sabokin, filling in today for David Moses, and my guest, NDP MPP Sol Mamakwa, representing the writing of Kiwetanu. Welcome back, Sol. So we're going to dive into the provincial budget cuts, the, the Ford budget, Ford government budget. And he cut the Ministry of Indigenous Affairs budget from $146 million to $74.4 million. What's your response to that?
2: I mean, uh, when we actually look at that, certainly reconciliation with Indigenous Peoples in Ontario, it does not matter. Uh, like I was kind of disgusted by it. And I know that um, that's not fair for us. Uh, I mean, uh, even previously with some of the uh, other cuts we've seen since the government came to power, like earlier uh, in the year we spoke about uh, Indigenous Culture Fund, you know, the child advocate in Thunder Bay and the curriculum writing. Those are just prime examples in this um, funding of the Ministry of Indigenous Affairs is certainly another way of how the system is built to, you know, we have to understand this is, to me as a First Nations person, as an Indigenous person, like it's a, um, uh, it's a colonial system. And, you know, so right now reconciliation is, is not in their vocabulary and to cut the services or programs for First Nations Indigenous people is not right.
0: Right. There was an Indigenous curriculum around history and residential schools and so, so that's totally cut.
2: Yes, and that's what they've done. Uh, and I, don't know, I think it took maybe, I don't know, six months for I had prepared a letter back then, and I just received it maybe about a month ago on the response, and for the province of Ontario, you know, non-First Nations, non-Indigenous people to learn about the history of this country, the history of Ontario, you know, they they don't want to talk about it, and our, our uh, people know about these issues, but you know, every Ontarian should know about the history, the dark you history were of here our people. First. Uh, yeah, and I know that uh, it's a, they should know about that what happened in the residential schools, in the 60s scoop, and you know all the other things that have happened. And it's a really dark history, and they want not the rest of you know our our children, the grandchildren, to know about these things in this system. It's part of reconciliation. They need to know the history of of what happened here.
0: Now the. Ontario's Indigenous Affairs Minister, Greg Rickford, who, by the way, I've reached out to, anyone I've reached out to who is a PC in the provincial government, I don't get any response from. So I say, can you please come on our show? We'd like to talk to you on a moment of truth. They Nothing. Yeah. Their assistants will take the information, but not even give me the courtesy of getting back to me.
2: Yes, uh, that, I've heard that from uh, some of my uh colleagues some of the first nation organizations uh indigenous organizations that there's a non-response and that's typically how they function and i'm not sure how many you know like uh, there's a control of people the bureaucracy that that just that machinery of government that i bet he doesn't even know that that uh, you've sent that request so you know, like I, I wouldn't even.
0: And and personally, I feel if we're we're voting someone into office, it's part of the job is to speak to the public because the public voted them in.
2: Yes, exactly. And that's what I've learned since I've been here. It seems that especially uh, if you question them on things, you know, they answer it very differently. And, you know, they say uh, they're for the people when in fact, uh, in real action, they're not. And it's, that's kind of what I've seen. Uh, that's what I've seen in the house.
0: Well, Indigenous Affairs Minister Greg Rickford defended the budget as one that makes investments and creates opportunities for Indigenous people. Any idea what those investments and opportunities are?
2: Um, that comment sounds really good, but when you look at the details, you you start to understand that it's not because uh, you know when we talk about, like, say, for example. Uh, uh, Northern development and mines—it's cut by 566 million dollars. And you know, like when we talk about legal aid, a lot of our people use legal aid in the north. So, like, say for example, uh, we didn't hear any details related to economic development when we talk about the, you know, Ring of Fire. When we talk about the repeal of the Far North Act, uh, you know, reducing red tape. Uh, when we talk about burden reduction they keep saying that the North is open for business, but I think uh, they don't uh, understand or believe, especially from my area, uh, my riding, Treaty 9, Treaty 5, and Treaty 3. uh, Treaty 9 is, uh, Ontario is a signatory to that treaty. And uh, based on that treaty, the spirit of that treaty is to share. And so... They have to work with First Nations. They have to work with Indigenous people if they want to do any development. And they don't seem to understand that. So, again, the people that are up north, um, you know, First Nations that are up north, like First Nations are not red tape. You know, uh, they just want to work with the the government. But they need to come to our communities and speak to the communities if they want to do business up north.
0: Now, one thing you mentioned was the ring of fire. And... Uh, Doug Ford has talked about that quite a bit, but perhaps you could explain what the Ring of Fire is.
2: A Ring of Fire is a uh, chromite that's uh, just north of Thunder Bay, and there's a uh, some communities in my riding that are affected by it and there's certainly an opportunity to work with Matawa First Nations on there and uh, there's nine First Nations there and uh, to date they haven't responded to the uh, the request to meet. but I did ask a question on the Ring of Fire about two two days ago. And uh, I had some uh, of some the leadership and some community members that were in the gallery with me when they asked a question. And, and Rickford wasn't in the house, but Doug Ford was there. And uh, so after a question period, I went up to him and said, You know, do you want to meet with some of the chiefs from the Matawa First Nation to talk about Ring of Fire? So uh, he agreed. So we they had about maybe 35, 40 minutes with him after the, after the meeting, I mean, after the question period. So um, what they essentially wanted was to set up a meeting. As a group of the nine First Nations of Metawa, and also go up north. And uh, so he's agreed to that. So hopefully
0: he will and get a different understanding.
2: Yeah. And I don't think he's been in the flying community, but we hope to start that process of just uh, start that dialogue.
0: Education and dialogue. uh, Yeah. We're going to take a little bit of a break. I'm Kathy Sabokin, filling in for David Moses, and we'll be right back. More on the follow-up to the Ford budget cuts. With my guest, NDP MPP Sol Mamakwa. Welcome back to Moment of Truth on 106.5 LMNFM in Toronto, 95.7 in Ottawa. I am Kathy Sibokin filling in for David Moses today. My guest, NDP MPP Sol Mamakwa, representing the riding of Kiwitinung way in the north, northern Ontario. We're just combing through the Doug Ford government, PC government's budget. Now, there was a promise in the budget to connect remote First Nations communities to the electricity grid. Um, Apparently, 25 First Nations communities rely on diesel-powered generators as a source for electricity. Any of those within your riding?
2: Yeah, most of them are in my riding, yes.
0: Has any action been taken?
2: Actually, I met the CEO uh, a couple of nights ago, and uh, they have about 1,800 kilometers of the grid to build. And um, last year in December, I attended uh, the first connection to community of Pekanjigam. So that was one step. And then yeah, I, I remember that. That was yeah. a big news story. Actually. Yeah. So uh, it's a really, uh, you know, when you see the, uh, the overcapacity diesel generators in the communities, whereby some communities couldn't even build new infrastructure or homes, it's a really uh, positive. Uh, step forward and getting our communities connected to the grid, uh, you know, move away from uh, the diesel generators. And uh, I had an opportunity as well to visit, uh, I was invited to this energy tour in Germany uh, by uh, the the federal uh, German government. And I, we did a tour of uh, some of the work that they're doing with green energy. And uh, I felt so that I was in the dark ages of, uh, you know, <laughs> Uh, when they were the, the some of the stuff that they're doing, uh, when they talk about green energy, and uh, and it's uh, you know, when you're just still on energy, <laughs> we're the, we're, the, we're green we're, energy, we're still on uh, you know, like uh, they couldn't believe it that we, we were still on the uh, you know, diesel generators up north.
0: I can't either, but okay, we're getting there, <laughs> yeah. All right, Ontario students, according to the budget, will be getting an all new indigenous studies curriculum. One was cancelled that we talked about, they're supposed to get a new one. But the budget does not specify what that will entail, any any motions, movement, anything.
2: Certainly, I know uh, I I actually heard that in the house that uh, you know I think it was the education minister talking about the uh, curriculum uh, integrated into somehow indigenous, but I haven't followed up with the details of it. You know, again, uh, why I'm not sure who's writing these. I'm not sure how, what the process is. And uh, we have to, uh, if we're going to talk about any uh, inclusion of Indigenous curriculum or Indigenous issues, Like uh, it should be our people uh, co-creating these issues.
0: Well, that, that would be was my next question, is why aren't you involved? <laughs> is this just <laughs> sure. something? They, do they make these up, the Ford government, and <clears throat> then follow through after? Or I,
2: so one of the things I'm finding is they may say things publicly, but it's actually not happening, and that's one of the things that the messaging that we get sometimes it's there, but we don't know what the process is because, it, I, again, uh, when uh, when you know when they ran, when the PC government ran, it, when they campaigned, uh, they didn't really have a plan. So they have a plan with no plan. So but it was pretty fast. Yeah, and that's what not I mean. In like quickly, a, and yeah, and then I think that's what's happening now, like with uh, especially with these bills uh, that are happening. They're they're ramming these bills really fast, like even within the uh, within the house itself, some of the processes that they have, you know, like minimal time of debate and, and this government is, moves really fast and make changes and it's really uh, sometimes kind of scary on how things move in the, and sometimes, you know, it takes a while for us to figure things out what's happening.
0: What's happening with the drinking water? Because there's still boil water advisories <clears throat> throughout. You were telling me about a community that hasn't had water for 25 years.
2: Yes. I mean, that's a continuation. Uh, you know, I, I think uh, at that last show, I spoke about Niskandaga First Nation. And I know when I visited up there and uh, there were on uh, 25 years of water boil advisory and, you know, I, uh, you know, it just uh, boggles my mind sometimes. And when we live in it on a daily basis, it becomes normal and uh if that was anywhere else and down here you know that that's not acceptable and um and i think um because ontario has been you know like again a, a partner and also signatory to the treaty 9 because it's a federal responsibility sometimes they remove themselves as they're not responsible and uh, there's nothing in policy nothing in legislation that stops them from uh, addressing these issues and uh, you know we have to they have to be accountable okay. as well. It's time. It's time. There's like time. I mean, it's it's 2019. This is Ontario. This is Canada. You know, there's no no way that they, they should be allowed to happen, but it continues to happen, and and sometimes we get uh, stagnant, and sometimes we again normalize it as that's just the way things are.
0: Now, last night, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau wow. made an appearance in Toronto, an event for Liberal supporters, and it was interrupted by a protester from Grassy Narrows First Nation. A woman handed Trudeau a letter and it incited stress that people are suffering from mercury poisoning in that area. Is Grassy Narrows in your community?
2: Uh, yeah, it's in well, my region. What's up. with
0: the mercury poisoning?
2: Grassy Narrows, uh, which is near the Manitoba border north of Kenora, you know, has suffered uh, mercury poisoning since a Dryden Chemicals Company dumped 9,000 kilograms of it into the Wabagoon and English River systems in the 1960s. Uh, which uh, contaminated the water and poisoning the fish. And members of the grassy narrows have long known that these poisonings have impacted the health of their community. And I've seen it uh, firsthand first when, you know, when, uh, uh, when grassy narrows comes to uh, Queens Park and the federal and the provincial governments have done very little to address their needs. And uh, even, even though they acknowledge the crisis, so, it's, uh, you know, like I'm, it, it, they've been waiting for 50 years, you know, like it's, it's time that they it's move. Time. It's time. It's time to, you know, all. So I think that they've gotten the commitment to create a facility, but none of that has happened. But also they need programs and services to, for that to happen. So that's where Ontario needs to take action on moving forward. And, and again, I I see it happen day in, day out, especially for my riding that jurisdictional uh, hot potato on the lives and the health of our people in the Kiwet riding and especially in the flying communities. And, you know, when I ask questions, uh, they refer to federal responsibilities. So we can't do that anymore. And like, there's no humanity in, in that in doing that. And we just need to, you know, just fix, it. just fix it. And that's one of the things I, uh, struggle with when I'm in the house and, you know, like coming to a provincial parliament since I've been here and, uh, we got to get beyond that, and uh, I think you know my role is to change that trajectory of thinking of this. My fellow colleagues, uh, the other uh, you know 123 MPPs that are here, to you know we need to respond. And you know,
0: well, I'm glad you're at least getting Doug Ford to to go on a tour with you of your riding and yeah. see firsthand what's going on. I think that will help i hope
2: that will help yeah and that's one of the things i've really known like uh when i went to ki when i go to communities uh it it really grounds you it really gives you an understanding of what's really happening and and what we see when i see when i go up north uh, you have to see it to believe it and these are not just words that i speak uh, when i come to queen's park and ask these questions these are these are real things uh we are people too and uh, that's you were here first. I keep saying, yeah. Again, uh, we are here first, and and and, uh, and that's one of the things I always think about. That they always talk about immigrants. Eh? Sometimes I sit there in uh, my chair at Queen's Park, and they talk about immigrants, and sometimes I just think in my head, you know, what uh, about you, us? You guys are lucky that we had a very loose immigration policy. That's why everybody's here, right? You right. You know, like so. It's a. Uh, you know, we and then you have to treat us. Uh, you have to treat us as uh, human beings as well. And sometimes the systems that are there do not treat us like that. And uh, like it's a whole system. It, I'm not specifically uh, attacking anyone, but it's it's the system. And how do we do that?
0: Well, we love you, Saul. We do I'm giving you love here from us. Now, something that everyone should do is follow Saul Mamakwa on Instagram. Our producer Andrew Saint Germain was telling us he follows you. Mm-hmm. Because you you have a lot of fun going through. Tell us what you do. Sometimes
2: you know. uh, sometimes what I'll do when I'm in Queens Park, I'll do these uh, Instagram stories. Uh, sometimes it's I'll include the Facebook stories on it, just to kind of I'll have some music on, and uh, you know I'll walk around the uh, Queens Park and some of the daily going ons and what's happening. And sometimes it's walking into the chamber or walking to my office or play, playing some music and or having breakfast. Like it's just a. Uh, it's just kind of a story that uh, people don't uh, don't see on a daily basis, but that's kind of, I try to uh, share those stories.
0: It's good to have fun with it.
2: Yes. I, <laughs> well, thank you
0: so much for coming in today. We really appreciate it, and I, I do hope next time you're in that we hear of some positive updates in your community. My guest today has been NDP MPP Sol Mamakwa, representing the riding of Kiwetanun in northern Ontario. Thank you again. Thank you so much.
1: This show was brought to you in part by APTN.